0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Good afternoon. My name is Brian Tofer, Principal Architect of Topher Architecture, and you're listening to New Books Architecture, a podcast channel on the New Books Network dedicated to architecture and its publications. If you have any suggestions on authors who you'd love to hear me speak with next, feel free to send me an email at BTOfer at topherarchitecture.com. Today's guest is Abu Abushadi to talk about her book that she co-authored, The Architecture of Ramsay's Wisa Wassef. Isan is an architect specializing in heritage at Megawa, and I know I mispronounced that. During her studies, she worked at the Regional Architecture Collection of the Rare Books and Special Collections Library of the American University in Cairo. The book was co-authored by Conchita Anyorve Cheri. Isan, uh, thank you very much for being here with me and talking today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So before we begin, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Um, well, I studied architecture at the American university in Cairo, um, and that's where I met Conchita, um, during, uh, my third years of study, my third year of study, um, I had applied for a work study position at the library archive, um, and I was assigned to the architecture collection where Conchita was the curator. <clears throat> and that's where, like, uh, Wiesel Wassef's ar- archive is, um, is, like, held, uh, Oh, okay. Perfect. Um, okay. Uh, so during my third year of architecture uh, studies, um, I applied for a work study position at the library archive, um, where I met Conchita, who was the curator of the architecture collection. Um, initially, um, I worked on the, on the archive of uh, Gamal Bakri, um, a postmodernist Egyptian architect, as well as Kamel Amin, who was a student of Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, as these were like newly acquired collections that needed processing. Uh, but during my time there, like Conchita and I like became very close. She became like a very uh, good mentor. Um, and so once I graduated, we we decided to like write a book on Ramses Wisa, wasif uh, together. Uh, So we started writing uh, the book about Ramses Wiesawasif, who's an Egyptian architect that um, was, like, rediscovering what Egyptian architecture is uh, in the mid-20th century, especially focusing on, like, local materials, local craft, um, and local heritage. Um, And he's, like, he's most known for uh, the Ramses we wasif art Center as well as the Mahmoud Mukhtar museum um, and then two of his churches uh, Coptic Orthodox churches one based uh, in Zamelik Cairo and the other one in Heliopolis uh, despite like um, being like a very well-known architect in Egypt very little is known about his architecture and that's what drove us to write this book
0: All right, great and so that you kind of took my you kind of already read my mind on the first question you know I'll admit that in my seven years of architecture school I've never heard of Ramsey's and I'm going to take a guess a lot of North American architecture students haven't however his story is very interesting and so the first uh, thing I found very interesting is you know most at least most architects I know they do have an interest for art and they might even practice some art except for most of us it never leaves our offices as a hobby whereas it seems like in Ramsey's work it's most of his architecture is based around the intersection of art and education or art and architecture. Uh,
1: Yes. Um, There are a few examples where um, he did uh, focus on like a lot of architectural details that were kind of borderline with like um, craftsmanship or like uh, artistic Uh, fields Um, so he did design like a lot of stained glass windows uh, for residential buildings as well as religious buildings Uh, he did work on like some ceramic pieces as well as stucco pieces uh, for like ceiling fixtures lighting fixtures um, just wall decorations Um, he even did like some carpentry design Um, so he was quite versatile uh, in like how much of the building he designed.
0: And a follow-up to that is, at least from what I could tell, and it does talk about this in the book, it seems like almost all of his residential projects were always for the residence of some craftsmen, whether it's weavers or potters or farmers, which we could say is a craftsperson. And so I guess I'm just curious over a little more elaboration, you know, why is that? Is that a personal choice? Was it because of his own passion? Um,
1: well, in the 1950s, he started to develop the Ramses Wesevasif Art Center. Um, he did feel that like children had like an innate um, sense of creativity, which he wanted um, to nurture. So he created the space um, where like children could like learn to weave and express their creativity without like any formal edu- uh, art education. Um, And as like some of these weavers uh, grew, he did build some houses for them. Um, So that's like one aspect. And then um, in that same kind of like er, uh, rural area, um, he did also design some houses for some of his uh, art students. He was a professor at the Faculty of Fine Arts. Um, And so like at the time, like a lot of these like up-and-coming artists uh, were looking to like also like you know have their houses like in that rural area and him being like their professor um, designed a couple of them
0: and so you mentioned that he was a professor and so I I, I let it slip in my last question when I accidentally said education but of course later on in the book he does seem to have the passion of art architecture and education and so there's a lot of case studies in here and sadly we just can't go through them all but the ones I found in particular interest were the ones that, as an educator myself, I thought were very interesting that he had his students participate in the construction or children as well. I know some of the examples that stand out most of my mind are the chicken coops or silos. And so the question I have for you then is, you know, th- th- from my understanding, these projects are still standing even though they were built by children and students. Is that correct? <laughs>
1: Uh, Yes, that's correct. Um, So like in parallel, while he was teaching these children uh, weaving, he was also teaching them to use like uh, how to make mud brick, uh, how to build with it, um, you know, like making sure uh, the structural stability of like domes and vaults. Um, So since uh, a lot of these were children, uh, they can't really, you know, start building a house. It's uh, out of their scale. They can't really reach. Uh, so he started with like small projects that would be, uh, manageable for like a, a child's height. Um, and so like the silos and the chicken coops, uh, are like low lying uh, structures, um, that were easy for the children to practice on. And, and so like over the years, like, uh, we saw us like did have like his own team of, uh, Mud brick builders that he would use uh, for like all his mud brick structures.
0: Great, and uh, you hinted at this before, and so I want to come back to it. You had mentioned that uh, his use of local materials, and again, going back to him being faculty, you know, there, there, you talk about the trip he took with students that kind of opened his eyes, we'll say, to local building materials and sustainability, even ahead of their time a little bit. And so, one thing I found very interesting was the idea that his buildings are very distinct and that a regional egyptian style however the political landscape was that most of egypt was trying to mimic europe particularly politically and building wise and so i'd love to hear more about the fact that his buildings while they are of a regional style they actually stood out because they were a regional style in a region trying to pretend to be somewhere else
1: um yeah well at the time like Egypt was very cosmopolitan um so like especially in Cairo uh, there were a lot of Italians a lot of uh, French um Greeks um, and like Egyptians uh, and Turkish uh, so uh, the architecture was very much influenced uh, by like Europe um and um at the time, like, there were a lot of scholarships for uh, architecture students to study uh, at the Beaux-Arts in France, uh, which included Wisa uh, Wassef and Hassan Fethi. Um So they studied there and, like, received a kind of European uh, formation in architecture, and then they came back. Um, and so, like, all these different, like, influences were taking place in Cairo, you know, like the Greek and the Italian and the French. Uh, and so... Uh, both of them, Hassan Fathi and Ramses Weissawasif, went on this trip to, like, upper Egypt in Nubia, where they kind of, like, rediscovered this traditional architecture and tried to, like, think about, you know, this new traditional Egyptian identity for architecture that was not as influenced um, by, like, the European styles.
0: Right, and as I had mentioned, you know, he actually employs a lot of passive heating and cooling strategies you know, again, at a time where that was not, you know, nowadays sustainability and passive cooling is kind of buzzwords that every project uses. However, the time frame of these buildings, it is somewhat revolutionary. You know, in particular, I'd love to hear more about the passive heating and cooling strategies in buildings that don't have the same mechanical systems we have here in North America.
1: Uh, yes. So, like, um, some of his mud brick um, structures, like already, like they have. Um, you know the regular passive cooling systems that we know. You know, like having uh, high ceilings, vaulted ceilings, or domed ceilings for to like facilitate like air circulation, uh, the rising of hot air away from like the the space that's being used. Uh, but he did also like implement other like less lesser known um, uh, systems he would have like some buildings that had uh, a double wall system, uh, which would prevent like hot air from entering, like warming up the walls and warming up the inside. Um, and uh, in the Habib Ghorji Museum, for example, um, he used the system uh, twofold. So not only uh, to contribute to the cooling of the building, but also uh, this double wall was designed in such a way that uh, indirect light would come in and light up the niches where like some of the sculptures uh, were being exhibited.
0: Right. Absolutely. And so you mentioned, we, we talked about the museum a little bit and we've hinted at probably his most known work. And I, we have, I think we should kind of try to steer back. You had mentioned his most known project being the Ramsey's We Saw with Seth Art Center. And, and this is an important project, not for his, not just for his style, but for all the artistic contributions it had many years later.
1: Uh, yes. So, like, at this center, and, like, up until today, um, they continue to produce, like, a lot of tapestries that uh, show different, like, traditional uh, and contemporary, like, scenes of Egyptian uh, life, um, especially, like, uh, rural uh, life. Um, and a lot of these tapestries have actually, like, been exhibited at, like, many international exhibitions, um so like this center, like it's known um, like internationally uh, for its tapestries more than for its architecture, and I think that was one of the driving points for this book. You know, to like kind of like highlight the architectural work um, that this architect artist uh, produced. Um, so at the center like apart from having like the galleries and the studios or like these tapestries uh, are created um, there's also like a couple of uh, houses uh, that he built for himself for um, his um, daughter's father-in-law <laughs> uh, and like his sister um, and apart from like um, in Egypt, uh, this might be like the most well-known followed by the Mahmoud Mukhtar museum that was built for um, one of Egypt's uh, more famous like sculptors, as well as uh, the Marashli church in zamalek uh, which was also like uh, a highlight for like contemporary Coptic uh, Orthodox church architecture.
0: Right, and so you had hinted before that, uh, and I think it was actually before the interview. So I should, but uh, you had mentioned that he he actually can be a little more well known in circles outside of the architecture community, and I think you had said that in particular his stained glass window work is that correct, or was it other realms that he would be more well known in?
1: Um. Yes. So, well, <laughs> a lot of his buildings are well known for his stained. Uh, glass projects. Um although they might not a lot of people might not necessarily know that these are attributed to him. Um, I think like some of his projects are very famous without a lot of people associating them to him. Um, maybe like only architects might know this. And even then like a lot of architects will focus more on the architecture than the stained glass. So um, it's kind of very interesting how like the different, uh, like this understanding of who he is as a person is very fragmented in the field. So like the artist will only focus on like the art, the architects will only focus on the architecture and the educators will like focus on like his pedagogy.
0: And so, as I said, you know, there's plenty of case studies, both for his built work and some of his non extent stuff, great photographs. Sadly, we won't be able to do that, especially with the listeners not having the book in front of them. But so the question I have, though, is, you know, as we wrap up, so since the book's been released, what uh, what have you been working on? What projects have kind of occupied your time since the book's been released?
1: Um, well, I'm currently uh, pursuing a master's degree. Um so I've kind of uh, been working on uh, my thesis, which is focused on um, what, like sub, um, underground water in Cairo, and looking at like water uh, structures. So particularly like
0: cisterns. Very interesting. Perhaps we could talk about that again mm. in the future if you release something. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Yeah, thank you. And for everyone listening, the book is The Architecture of Ramses Suiso Wassef. I want to thank everyone for listening and hope everyone has a great day.